Are you an investigative professional? Have you heard about the investigatorstoolbox.com? Check out this exclusive online community for networking, learning, and data resource management. The Toolbox is a one-stop shop for all your investigative needs. Check out our robust collection of forums, our comprehensive learning page, and our expansive library of OSINT research tools. We've just released an app for both iOS and Android, so you can access the site seamlessly right off your phone. We have also partnered with some amazing companies like Crosstracks, Delpoint, IRB, ScopeNow, the Hetherington Group, PI Magazine, PI Gear, Merlin Locate Services, Paravin, the PI Institute of Education, and so many more. They're offering over $1,250 worth of discounts and benefits exclusively to community members today. Use code PIP201836 and save 10% on your membership. That's www.investigators-toolbox.com. Crosstracks case management system. That is what we are talking about today. Are you using a case management system? What are you waiting for? If you don't use a case management system, you really need to look into implementing that into your business regimen. I've been at it with Crosstracks now a little over a year, and it's just been a game changer for my business. They are SOC 2 certified, SOC 2 Type 2 certified. If you don't know what that means, it means that they're encryption system is second to none and you have to go through a whole screening process to figure out uh, if you can even qualify for that and they have so you know with certainty your data is being protected i don't think there's another case management system out there that offers that same ability to have the SOC 2 type 2 certification as you guys know i've been uh, you know singing the praises of cross tracks and uh, i really believe in this product and i believe you should check it out Contact Brad, contact Pat, uh, one of the team members over there, and see if it's right for you. Crosstracks case management system, check it out today. Gulf Point keeps on advancing. The commonality search is here. The new data is unlike anything they currently offer and will go in depth into your target's assets and relationships. Use them on everything from jury research and associate connections to business investigations and fraud cases. You don't want to miss these. Visit DelphPoint.com for more details. Sign up and use code PIP20 for additional savings. Welcome to this week's show. We talk to industry veteran Harriet Gold. Our subject today is court record retrievals. During the time of COVID, we all face challenges in getting records. Harriet brings some great insight. So please welcome Harriet Gold and your host, private investigator Matt Spare. And welcome everybody to this week's episode of PI Perspectives. This is Matt Spare, your host. I'm welcoming a guest today, somebody who I met at a, uh, an alley conference a couple of weeks ago, or actually it's probably a month or two ago now. I've known her about her for years, but never actually physically got to meet her until uh, we met in San Antonio. So Harry Gold, I'm welcoming you to the program. How are you? Hi, Matt. How are you? It was very nice meeting you. And I Nally is just a great organization, and it's where I've met so many different people. And and really, part of my whole career as an investigator, I found it very important to go to investigator conferences and meet with other people. And sure. that has always been good and very lucrative and great for my business. Yeah, lucrative. That's the key word. <laughs> making, yeah, I like the making, word lucrative. Making relationships it, to grow our business, right? It's, you know, it's all about it's all about relationships and yeah. my relationships I have with investigators are really what has made me 
the way I am. And my background is that I started investigating in 1979 and I worked for this company called Equifax and investigate insurance claims. And then I went on and worked for several other companies. I did a criminal defense. I did plaintiff personal injury, which was a whole different side from always doing insurance defense. And then I got into all kinds of commercial litigation and anything really. And and then I realized all of litigation was about the same and everybody needed background investigations. Right. So that's when I started, you know, working, doing background investigations. But along the way, I worked for a major company's insurance company and I did um, fraud investigations and I've become basically my, my whole thing that has made my, my business succeed is by doing background investigations and doing a lot of things that that meant going in and out of the courthouse and yeah. re- researching information. Yeah, we're going to dive into that after the break and really do how to do backgrounds and, and what's more than just you know sitting in front of a computer because there is so much more to it. But before we get into all that, and wow, you've, you've been around since 1979 and, and in business since 1989, uh, which on your own, which is pretty impressive, right? Yes, it's been a long time and I I have clients and or investigators that I know that I've been working with since that time. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, there are people that I know that I actually work with at Equifax in 1979 and 1980 and people I've met along the way that actually got their training ground there. And it was a whole like go out and knock on doors and find people and the only way you had of doing something was going and knocking on doors and looking at old Pope directories and finding numbers yeah. and going to courthouses. And yeah. that's really the way I learned how to do it. And, yeah. and ever since then, I mean, really just meeting with different people and meeting people all around the world that I can do work with has been really great. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's funny. So folks back then, right poke directory, all that, like new kids have no idea what the heck that is. Right. But us, when they talk about like JSON and and doing coding, we have no idea what they're talking about. So everybody's got their own specialty, (laughs) their own uh, thing that they're good at. And this is why you have to network and understand, you know, it's better to know the person than be the person, uh, as per Jim Nanos, that's his, his tagline. Um, I, I steal it frequently. (laughs) <laughs> Jim's awesome. Uh, so uh, yeah, that that that's great. That's great. And I, I think you kind of hit it a little bit talking about um, you know going to the different events and and networking and 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 having these long relationships with people that you've known forever. I think you know I heard you. I think on John Hoda's show uh, last year at some point, and I was impressed by just you know the work that you've done and and your your history is is it's amazing. I think one of the things was working for an insurance company. I really kind of got a bat behind the scene, behind the scene look that I now have. And a lot of investigators don't have never seen the inside of an insurance company's office. Right. I, you know, it's interesting you say that because I do like, I'm almost a hundred percent plaintiff every now and then I'll end up doing defense. Like it really as a favor to somebody usually like I just, I don't like the process. I don't like dealing. I'm not cut from it. But I did probably about four years ago get involved with something that was quite significant. And uh, I remember having telephone conferences and being in the room, quote unquote, in the room with these carriers and the adjusters and the people that are 
are talking about, you know, their exposure and when to pull the plug on, on things. And it was so fascinating because I was like, Ugh, that's how these people think. <laughs> like, it was educational for me because it's like, yeah, we know we're going to lose, but w- you know, when do we pull the plug on this? How long can we hold on to our money before we have to distribute it? Right. Those were real conversations and it disgusted me actually. It's interesting because I sat, when I worked in the fraud department, I sat in the middle of the litigation unit and I heard them all discussing claims, but I also got to see that they pay claims to give them a little better view of them is that I actually saw them really pay claims and really on the whole, they want to be fair. And they, if they owe the claim, they'll pay the claim. And it's a matter of like deciding what the claim is worth and finding the truth. So my job is to give them the facts. Yeah. That's the reason why we all are employed to do this, right? That's how we all make a living on this, discovering the the truth of why something happened. Obviously, I have my jaded point of view just because I'm, I'm working on the other side so much. Uh, but there is truth to the other side as well. And uh, people do uh, manipulate things and, and falsify things. And it's, it's why an investigator is needed, a good investigator, somebody who knows how to really get to the bottom of things and, and thinks at things in a different way, right? And has the resources actually to get things done. So yeah, that's, that's definitely an excellent point. I also do a lot of plaintiff work and that's what I'm saying. I have found out I've done criminal work and really what I've done is I've, I just find my job is finding the facts. My job is getting out and giving people the re- true information and getting them, make, letting them make the decision and get out of that gray area. Right. So they're either doing, um, you know, I'm either finding exactly what the facts are and proving them or telling them that that I, I don't really have to tell them anything. I just really give them the information and I because I'm not the attorney and I'm not the insurance adjuster on any kind of case. I don't make the decision. They yeah. make the decision. I just give them the facts so they can make a more solid decision. Yeah. I learned very early on in this business that reporting uh, on facts and leaving the conjecture out as much as you possibly can, you know, maybe you're having a conversation about that, but not in your report itself is something that'll right. set you aside, right? It'll, um, if you can keep it concise as well, I think that's another mistake a lot of investigators make. Well, they'll, they'll make a 15, 20, 30-page report, or the worst thing they can do is just take cut and paste, you know, 200 pages worth of research, you know, and 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 not have a, a, a quick sheet on what all that stuff is, right? Because an attorney, they just want to know the facts quickly, you know, and when it, it comes to time for them to get ready for trial, to do trial prep, yes, they'll go through those 300 pages, but in the meantime, they don't want to go through those hundred pages. Just tell me. Uh, and, and I've had experiences with subcontractors, actually, where, you know, I've had that conversation with them. Like, hey, this report is thorough, but it doesn't tell me anything. Like, you literally need a paragraph that explains, like, your findings. Can we please do that, right? So I've had a few of those conversations. I think it's all very important that you make it. You need to give them at some point the backup information. But it used to be like when I'd find somebody, for instance, I would make a whole long thing about how he found them and whatever. And I realized that really most of my clients need to just figure out where do they live at and where what's their phone number yeah. or where do they live at. And and only the when I don't find somebody and I really need to prepare a due diligence affidavit, yeah. 
yeah. we get into the long story of how we did it. Yeah, it's a good point. And otherwise, they really don't care. They want to know where is this person now and all yeah. that other stuff about how you found them. Yeah. It's just not important. Yeah, I, I recall years ago looking at a witness statement that a, a prior investigator had, had written on a case I was working on. And it was like four or five pages long. And it was one of those things like, I woke up in the morning, I got dressed, I put on a red shirt, I poured myself a bowl of Wheaties, I poured milk in the Wheaties. Like, and I'm, I'm reading this, I'm going, are you kidding me? Like, how about you arrived at work at 6.55, right? And, you know, the accident happened at, at, after lunch, right? Like, let's get it, you know, compact and really let's talk about what's important. And the way I look at it, even... You know, you can look at it evidentiary, right? So a juror is going to be looking at this stuff too, right? So did you expect them to go through 300 pages worth of stuff? No. If they're asking to review something, they want like a page or two with the summary and just, okay, this professional did this report and this is what they found, right? Good enough. Right. Right? I mean, I think it matters in all, in all brands. I mean, we've done video. I mean, I've had my surveillance investigators doing videos where they got nine hours of video we had it on three different people at the same time. We edited it all out and made these beautiful videos that were shown at trial or were going to be shown at trial. The yeah. case ended up settling. Of course it did. Because your video probably. <laughs> it, it was it was quite astounding. Yeah. But what we did is we edited out each person. So we had a specific person on each person that was part of a, a family unit. And then we had we, we did a 30 minute highlights of nine days of surveillance on each person. Right. So it wasn't going to bore a jury to death by seeing nine hours. I mean, it would, they would have liked it, but they would have all fallen asleep. I always think when I'm doing my investigation is what is it going to appear to a jury? Yeah. So I want to make it easy, simple to understand and that's when we get into documents. We'll talk about that. Right. You, you think of Joe Friday, right? Just a fax, man. <laughs> you know, just, like, a just a fax. Just Keep a it fax. Short, short and simple. I think this is a good point to actually jump out. So we're going to go take a break. And when we come back, I really want to dig in further on this, um, doing background checks. You've got a really long experience doing this stuff, uh, a, a certain expertise to it. So any, any tips uh, and tricks and stuff, we'll, we're going to get into all that. So everybody sit tight and we'll be right back. Are you overwhelmed with your current case log? Could you use some help with your skip trace assignments? With Merlin Locate Services, rather than adding staff, you can add an entire skip trace department of licensed private investigators who specialize in skip tracing. Check out MerlinLocate.com today. When you work with Merlin Locate Services, you bring on a valuable experience and trusted extension to your team. In 2019, Investigation Education Consultants added a new affiliate in its never-ending quest to provide quality professional investigative training. IEC is now offering certificate courses and investigative training online. Our website, IECOIT.com, will soon offer a certificate in professional investigation for those interested in entering the investigative field. There'll be standalone investigation classes for those seeking continuing education credits, CEUs, or just interested in taking classes for their own personal or professional interests. The classes currently available are Foundations of Investigation, Legal Investigation, Criminal Investigation, Fraud Investigation, Background Investigation, Interviews and Statements, Skip Tracing Locates, Ethics, and Report Writing. 
Investigator Toolbox members will receive a 20% discount off the listed price. So visit IECOIT.com. Need the best insurance coverage out there? Check out SIIS Insurance. Make your insurance purchasing process a breeze by dealing with the leading PI industry experts. All filings for your state PI license are handled directly by their staff. Certificates of coverage to your clients are fulfilled the same day as requested. If you work armed, no worries as they always include firearms liability in their coverage. Coverage can be expanded to cover executive protection, consulting liability, guard operations, and for cyber liability inexpensively. Best of all, be sure to indicate on the application that you're a regular PI prospective listener or Investigator Toolbox subscriber as amazing discounts apply. So make sure you take advantage today. Visit Security Investigators Insurance Solution, SIISinsurance.com. The surveillance issue for PI Magazine is here. So make sure you check out all the great content available in this special edition. Available online or via hard copy. And welcome back to PI Perspectives. This is Matt Sperry, your host. Today we are joined by Harriet Gold. Harriet, welcome back to the program. Nice being here today. Yeah. Okay. So we were talking about background checks and the importance of background checks. And uh, I, I really wanted to cover, I thought this was a good topic, something that, that you can never get uh, tired of talking about because we really got to make sure that we're doing things properly or, or approaching things the right way. So let's jump right into it. So how did you figure out in your career that that was your specialty or something that you were really good at? Well, um, when I first started investigating, I did, you know, a combination of several different things. I went and knocked on doors and talked to people. So that was one way of finding out information about people. I talked to their neighbors. I talked to them. That's what I did. And then the other major thing that I had, because it was really all that was accessible, let's forget about there was, this was the dark ages. And I know I'm, (laughs) I'm making myself very old and we'll just pretend that whatever, but there was no computers, believe it or not. There was no fax machines. So the way of finding out information was literally going to the courthouse and the courthouse became my friend because I, because I like to go and find papers. And I felt like people from the very beginning wanted to see papers in their hand. And I was such a paper person. So that's why it's been very hard for me to transition. I'm doing it. Right. But I'm still a paper person. No Save a tree, Harriet. Come on. <laughs> I know. Please. So I found it hard to work all the time on the computer right. because I still like papers. When I'm reviewing something, I still like print out some things. And yes, I'll look at them on the computer, yeah. but I'm still like old fashioned about that. So I got so I co- I a confession to make. I'm the exact same way, right? I love hitting that print button and just having something, especially if I'm doing like an asset search or something. There's something to be said about just having it on in front of you on a uh, a desk, you know, and just going through and and just understanding visually. I don't know, maybe that's just how my my brain operates better. But I, I'm I'm the exact same way. I can look at something in a screen, and it's great. But I really love having that tangible thing in front of me. So you're preaching to the choir. I just um, actually just did something and I I won't go into it all, but I just like did a case where I was just helping with a jury, picking a jury, which really is a lot of background investigations, which is another topic for another day. Yeah, definitely. But 
I found that the attorney that I work with, he, I'm like, how do you want the material given to you in the backgrounds? And he told me, I want them in my hand and I want to see what I'm doing and I want papers printed out and that's why I do it. Yeah. So, you know, maybe it's just my age. Maybe it's just people that are over 40 that did it. I, I don't know, but it, it's definitely something that a lot of people who, if that's how they got used to seeing paperwork in our business, sure, that's how you've always done it. Lawyers. And there's some lawyers that do everything on the computer and that's all for them. Yeah. But anyway, so I would go to the courthouses and I would research records. And at that time, there were there weren't computers, so there's big these big book big books that were very heavy. And sometimes to go back like ten years of records, I'd have to get ten big books, and ten big books with someone's handwriting on it. And if they couldn't write well, you good luck trying to read what the names were. Sure. And there were these big, huge, heavy books. And by the time you got done with a day in the courthouse, your back would kill you because you're literally taking the books off the shelf and putting them yeah. down on the table and looking yeah. at it. And it was exhausting. Yeah. And it didn't just take five minutes. It took hours. So then I would get to the actual <clears throat> case file of it all. And the case files, you open up. And sometimes there were little pieces of notes in the file from yep. like the judge or for yep. the judge or, or for the attorney or the person wrote in from jail and they wrote a letter and it's in the file. Yeah. And those were like beautiful pieces of information. Sure. So then sometimes I could photocopy them, but sometimes at that point they wouldn't even let us photocopy it. Yeah. You couldn't take the file and you wouldn't be able to have, you know, the information right in front of you. Yeah. So you wouldn't be able to have the information in front of you. Mm -hmm. Looking at all those paperwork is what we, what I started getting into figuring all the different things I would find out about, about a person. So meaning a person would be a claimant that's making a claim. It would be on our insured or my, or the other defendant to find out bad stuff about them. It would be on a doctor that I'm maybe doing a background investigation on. It would be on on all different kinds of parties to a lawsuit. It would just be on a lot of different things. Or I'd have to find some a company's assets or something, and I'd have to go and figure out property ownership. I'd have to figure out who owned the property. So there was every facet of court records there was to do I looked at. Yeah. And, you know, what differs me from like a you hear of people like doing like an employment background check or something else when they're at that stage and this is why i'm really not in that business at all those companies want to spend like a hundred dollars to do a background investigation right. and i because of my knowledge of what i do i can't put my name on that yeah because no, that's I, not I, what i consider a background investigation I, i'm right there with you right so I think it's a constant battle between I'm going to do just enough so the carrier will represent me if, if something goes wrong, <laughs> but I really don't want to pay for it. I think there's that struggle back and forth. Yes, we're required to do a background check, but we really we really don't care about it. Just if we end up getting sued, we need to show something, right? So you run into those situations, right? 
I, I so many times, and I'm sure you get the same thing. Someone will call you and they say, we want a background check done. Okay. Well, it's going to cost X amount of dollars. And they're like, they get sticker shock. Whoa. You're like, I, I'm not looking for all that. Why is, why, why is it all that? Well, you need a criminal search, right? Yeah. Well, there's a $98 fee in New York to run that <laughs> search only before I even do anything. Right. So like, those are examples of, you know, the costs that are involved in, in, in doing this stuff and doing it the right way. Yeah, can you go online and, and use some crickety database that may or may not be accurate? I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't stake my reputation on that. I wouldn't stake, stake my not. liability insurance on that. I'm going directly to the source. And you know what? If they're going to charge $98 to run that search, so be it. You're going to pay it. You know, Better to get it directly from the source than getting a third party, right? That's what I've always believed in is going right to the source. So then... I think one of the most important things that I always like to point out to people is that the source, you have to know what the source is. Mm -hmm. So where the people coming up now and they really only know of computers, what they see, and this is a, a very good example. I work for, you know, a lot of different, some other, I work for attorneys and insurance companies, and sometimes a lot of different investigators call me from out of state and they want something done here. And either in Atlanta, where I live, but also in Florida, where I have offices and I've been working as a Florida investigator for years, or they need it somewhere else. And one of the things that I have to do is to, they think one of this very prime company that I work with, I won't name them, wanted me to do some record search in Cobb County, Georgia, which is from maybe 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And they said, they they gave me some database information to show, well, the person's been in Fulton County and the person's been in Cobb County. And they said, well, go to Fulton County Courthouse. And I said, well, how come you don't want me to do Cobb County? Well, I've already done Cobb County. I'm like, did you hire somebody else? They're like, no, we did it online. I'm like, no, you didn't. And these are people that do multi-million dollar backgrounds for big, 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 yeah. companies. Yep. And I said, no, you didn't. If you just went to the courthouse, if you just did online, you didn't get it. And they're like, well, why? And I'm like, because state court of Cobb County at that time is not online and you couldn't have done it. I said, so aren't you interested if the person had a misdemeanor, like a DUI? And they're like, yes. I said, well, then you need to go to the courthouse. Right. So that's a prime example of how You've got to know what you're checking yeah. because some people think if they could check online, they're checking everything yeah. and that's not it. So that that's, you, you bring up a good point, Harriet. So people need to understand that no hit doesn't mean no record. Right. Correct. And I think, you know, we get into that comfort level of, Oh yeah, I ran the search and there was no hit. They didn't find anything. Okay. Well, what else right. did you do? Right. So uh, I, I think we, we can get trapped and fall into that. You know, and it's you got to be really, really careful because you could get egg on your face very easily, uh, especially if the other side's doing the same research that you're doing and they're doing a more thorough job. Well, when the trial starts and you get burned, you know, that's it. You have no credibility. You have no credibility in this business you've done. Well, that's the whole thing. I mean, my whole business is based on credibility of people being able to believe with me. So if I tell them there's nothing, they believe me. Yeah. But like someplace like, Georgia, in Georgia, it was shocking how different it was that in the court system in Georgia, as opposed to the court system in Florida, two very, very different places. In Florida, if you have a misdemeanor in 
if you have a traffic ticket in Dade County, the case is going to be in Dade County. If you have a traffic ticket in Broward County, it's going to be in the Broward County Courthouse. If you have, and so if you have a DUI in any of those places, it's going to be in the courthouse. There's only one place where it could possibly be in the courthouse, in records, there. And in Georgia, if you want to, if you think someone has had a DUI, people just say, well, just check Fulton County. Well, that's fine. But what happens if they lived in the city of Atlanta? What happens if it was there? What happens if it was all the other little cities in Atlanta that have their own like municipal court? Right. That's the way a lot of places go. You go to Mississippi, for instance, and Mississippi has all little municipal courts. So if you're not checking all the municipal courts, you've just missed a bunch of DUIs on a driver or you're looking into a truck driver. Hopefully or- it's not a bunch. <laughs> Hopefully it's one and done. Well, you... <laughs> could miss it when I worked for an insurance company and I had to go sometimes look it up our insureds, I would go to Fulton County Courthouse and find nothing. But then I would go to city of Atlanta and find that they had three DUIs and they don't get brought up to the level of the Fulton County court. So it's all in city of Atlanta. And if you don't check the County, you're never going to find it. Yeah. And so that's good it's point. very difficult. People say, you know, when they want to do a background check in Atlanta, just for instance, you have to go to all the pick a courthouse. I tell people pick one, anyone, and maybe you'll get to the right one. I live within two miles of three counties. Pick one, anyone. Yeah. You think everything just happens in the county where I live? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you get that here, yeah. here in the tri-state area, right? People live in New Jersey. New York, Connecticut, they're traveling all about. And what's interesting with with, there's like 17 or 16 places. Yeah. And what's, what's interesting is when you come to court records in New York, uh, you have the office of court administration, right? That's that $98 fee thing that I was talking about. And yeah, you'll get what's reported, but not everything is reported, right? So you definitely have to follow up and go to the County where that person lived in, or, you know, if it's, it's New York city, vicinity i mean there's there's five counties right there you got to look at right um and you got to take it one step further you know to say like yes i've done due diligence on this stuff and sometimes they want to pay for it sometimes they don't sometimes like they just want to say okay well what's in the state here you know what is what is a a quick check going to show because they think like the other side that's all they're going to do so they want to know like okay what what are they going to know about um and and i've had times too where I knew that there was a criminal record, right? The person that hired me says my client was arrested for beating somebody up back in 2002, right? And you go and you search OCA and nothing comes up. And they're like, oh, great. Well, the other side's not going to find it. So, whoa, whoa, whoa. Where did this happen? What county did it happen in? Let's go see what's there and understand how you're going to lose your case or how, or, or how this is going to cause inertia for you, you know, make the investment in doing that stuff. So, and each state is different, which is a great point that you, uh, you brought up. Which is why when I report in my reports, I specifically report on what we checked yeah. because I know they don't want to pay for everything. So I'm saying, okay, we're going to check the ca- four or five counties that I consider Metro Atlanta, but I'm not ever going to say to people in a report or anything that I've done a Georgia check. That's ridiculous. It used to drive me crazy when there would be people that 
advertise that they do a nationwide criminal check. And I was like, oh my God, the words would make me scared. I'm yeah, like, for $25 too. <laughs> nationwide $25, check, $25. <laughs> you know, I mean, and they're like, well, you know, even people that at the time, and it was horrible, there were people that like abused records and somehow were able to get police records and whatever else that were confidential. But that's just, you know, horrible. I've always been able, I've always dealt in the strict realm of public records information. Yeah. And that those records are what are very important of for anybody because it's real records. And when you're doing, you know, in what now with social media, how are you getting that? I mean, that's another whole topic of, yeah. of the icing on my cake of what I've been able to add to background investigations sure. is doing social media investigations. Yeah. And that's, that's a whole nother topic. And that's a whole nother topic, yeah. but it's all through public sources yeah. of information. And not only when you're doing court records, but you're also doing open records with the police department and open records with the counties. And there's so many records that are available. So one of the things that we specialize in is learning where all these records are and being able to obtain all these records, like calls for service or different things that have to do with public records. Yeah. Calls for services. That's a really important search. So we get those a lot with um, uh, like nightclubs, people get, get beat up at nightclubs, you know, it's like, okay, was this, was this a problem? You know, like, uh, is this place not offering adequate security? You know, like I'll, I'll have a nightclub where there's a shooting or something like that. Those calls for services, um, really important. Or uh, a residential building with the front door being broken, right? So I've I've seen cases that were huge cases and they were nothing until calls of services showed that there was this ongoing pattern and that because of the break-ins, because of all this, like the owners of the building should have been aware that this was a problem, right? And they were trying to say like, oh, you know, no constructive notice or no actual notice, you know, like, oh, no actual notice. We're not going to, you know, cover this, this and that. It's like, whoa, 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 here's calls for services. You know, you should know what's going on in your own building, right? And uh, I've seen that happen. Well, one of the big things I've found in call for services is uh, prior battery, domestic violence. Mm-hmm. I mean, unfortunately, that's a big cause of people getting injured is domestic violence. And then the next thing that they do, I mean, I had a case years ago where I had my defense attorneys tell me, I'm really worried about this case. I This back in- injury that someone has, you know, the, our, our prime expert is telling us it came from a period of time like a year ago from this accident. And I said, but I'm looking at it. I said, but there's no way this accident caused the injury. I mean, I'm not a biomechanical engineer, but I do know from my experience. And I said, there's no way. So if if I'm saying there's no way, I'm not an expert. That's not what I'm testifying about. I need to find out if there's no way, how is there no way? What else possibly caused the person to get injured? So then I start looking around and I went into the courthouse And I found that the woman had signed a domestic violence affidavit and stated that my husband threw me down a flight of stairs. Right. And then my client took that information, which was a sworn statement from the from the claimant or the plaintiff. And I took that statement, gave it to the attorney. And then he took those that information. It was a week before our accident. So I took the 
we then we took that information, that fact that we found, then they gave it to their doctor that was had examined it. And then we asked the doctor, well, which one do you think it came from this accident that was caused this way? Or do you think it came from her falling down a flight of stairs? He finally said, oh, oh, that really makes sense. Yes, it came from her flying, going down a flight of stairs. Right. So if you can't just outwardly say, oh, that's not from there. You have to show. Yeah. And, you know, like another thing I want to talk about is criminal records. Criminal records, you could talk about someone's past history, but if they don't have a conviction, it you can't talk about it at all. You could see that they had something. Right. It might be something you negotiate with, but if you want to bring it up as a past conviction and they don't have a, a conviction, I've seen people tell me, oh, yeah, there's a conviction. And I'm like, no, it's not. It says adjudication withheld, yep. which means there's no conviction or that it's under the first offender act. You can't use it at all. Yeah. So that's a difference with what people I have adjusters tell me or my plaintiff attorneys tell me, oh yeah, I heard they had a lot of DUIs. And I'm like, okay, let me look. I go look at them all. And the DUIs that they're talking about that they've heard about have all had adjudication of guilt withheld. Yeah. So I'm like, you can't use that. You can't use that. You can't. It's like they didn't have any they got out of it every time. I've so seen, none of it's going to do you any good. I've seen a few times where um, uh, someone who was charged with a crime became a confidential informant. And it's like they their weapons charge all of a sudden disappeared <laughs> because they're ratting out their buddies. And it's like, that's right. Can't I mean, use it. Sorry. Confidential informants. <laughs> you know, they were involved in the crime, but yeah. all of a sudden their crime, their yeah. cases are not there. I've had that happen so a few times. Have, you have to get to the facts of why, yeah of why their case was dropped and yeah. what else was going on and just keep looking for those records. Yeah. And so, if you know there's something there, it's there. Yeah. So I want to touch on something before we wrap up here um, with court records and COVID and, and court shutdowns and, and, you know, everything on pause and now coming back. Like what was that like for you with retrieval and trying to get this stuff? I'm sure it was a nightmare, but, but talk to me a little bit about it. It's still a little bit of a nightmare. I mean, it depends which courthouses they are, but some courthouses were literally just shut down by meaning the only thing you can get was what was pre-existing online. Couldn't get in. They weren't answering things. Yeah. They would send some stuff in the mail, but the courts are still very erratic and they're still a lot of them are still not open. Yeah. It's very hard to get records. They're now they're just not letting you in there. It's just very, very tough. So that's a part of our business that really like had, I mean, I had friends that have been doing court rate research for years and years. I mean, one of my investigator friends down in South Florida and for like a year, they couldn't work at all. I mean, the courthouse was just not open and it opened for a little while. And I'm sure you saw that the Day County courthouse closed down because of this, something that happened with the like the towers, the bottom was crumbling and now they're all in one place. And so it's been, that part has been very difficult. So I've just had to do some index checks and let my clients know that there's something there online, but I can't actually hold the file and I can't get the documents because they're just not available or they're taking forever to do. And also in 
public records too. Yeah. And open records. We have open records that have been sitting open eight months. Yep. Because they're just no one's working. And I got the same thing in New York and New Jersey. The Oprah in New Jersey, it's been a nightmare. I mean, like over a year to get get information on a fire. That's it's, it's public. It's public record. You know, like you know, I can't, I can't clients. How is it taking so yeah. long? And I'm oh, like, that's it's the other taking thing. So long. Yeah. So it's your clients, but their clients too. So their clients are giving them the business, like, hey, what's going on with this, right? They call you up and they give you the business. And I'm like, I remember having this conversation with somebody. I'm like, hey, uh, there's literally nothing I can do. There's no one for me to call because they, they're shut down for COVID. Like I can email like that. They're like, well, but we need it. And I I'm finally like, emailed. I you yeah. It. I finally emailed somebody. I was like, hey, time is of the essence. Like, you know, this, I, this one particular piece of information is really what the case hinges on. Like, I need an answer on this. I understand that you're not working, but I also understand that this is a computer file. Like, you can get this file. You don't have to go pull anything. It's a matter of you just giving me the information. And I got it finally, but it was it was over a year. A lot of times you might make those phone calls and they get even annoyed that you've made yeah, those phone yeah, calls. Yeah, you gotta, and then you gotta they be get careful. very mad yeah, at you. Yeah. So you need to, anybody doesn't think that you need to treat these courthouse people like yeah. charms. I mean- I've yeah. always just been the nicest and I let it's, yeah. it's not going to matter if you go in there and you just have this nasty attitude. Yeah. I just kind of look at them with the court person and just said, Oh, I'm glad I'm not like that. And yeah. then you just get, you need to be nice to them because yeah. that's how they are. Yeah. And you're not going to get it by being mean. And I felt like a lot of what I've gotten in this time is because I have, had people help me i've yeah. had a judge a probate judge step in on a small little town in georgia and help me go through records that i couldn't find something because it was just the way they were doing it was horrible and a probate judge came in and started helping me do a search that i was trying to do it's amazing what you can do when you have a relationship with a judge's clerk it really is it's amazing what yeah. you could do when you have relationships with people. Yeah, you just kind of people. I, you know, I'm I'm remembering back to you know when I used to do all this stuff on, on a regular basis, and you know there was one guy he would always give people the the, the hardest time, and he was just an angry dude. But I saw he had a, like a class ring at the same college as, as me around the same time I was there. So I was like, hey man, I'm class on you know whatever. He goes really. I was like yeah, and then we started chatting. It got to the point where. You know, whenever I needed something, he'd pull me aside and be like, yeah, you don't got to wait online. Come here. I got you. You know, like, I'll, I'll take care of you. I was like, all right, cool. You know, it's like that kind of stuff. And I, I've told the story before about a guy in a subpoena room that was like the nastiest man ever. But if you talk Star Trek or Star Wars with him, he was your biggest fan. <laughs> you know, and it's like you learn how to do that. You learn how to read people uh and and build those relationships it goes a long way and the other thing i remember uh we were talking about going through files and all that is the you know fifty dollars worth of quarters i used to have to bring with me to the courthouse to make copies right. and hopefully Absolutely. i had enough <laughs> you know like <laughs> yeah well now it's more like a dollar a page and yeah. you want to get copies of a file yeah. it's just hundreds of dollars well yeah well you, know, ha like, you handheld scanners now you can use like like you didn't have all that stuff back in the day it's uh, oh no 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 it had a stuff. copy machine and if yeah. you had a if you had a copy and index you had to take this big huge book yeah. and put it flat on the machine one and make page sure at a time baby <laughs> that was like how it was nobody quite understands that but you're triggering me harrod stop <laughs> when it's you know and now it's so different yeah. i mean having this stuff online is just amazing but yeah. 
I just said that the really main thing that people remember is make sure you know what the heck you're looking at. Yeah. And don't think you have it all. If you need to call the courthouse, go look at their online information, go look at some, I have like an online Bible of all the courts all across the country and make sure that you know what records they have where in Georgia, DUI records are in some counties in probate court. And you're like, what? Yeah, that makes no sense. (laughs) That makes no sense. But I'm telling you, when I first started working in some of the small counties in Georgia, they told me that the DUI records were in probate court. And I'm like, what? Yeah, they'll kill you, right? I'm like, how could that be? That's where people, that's death. (laughs) That is mental health issues. Yeah. What does that have to do with probate? Well, that's where our, that's where our track. So it's stuff like that that you have to know. And if you don't know that, you're going to miss what you're looking for. Yeah. And that's what scares me. BRB Publications is another one, folks. If, If you don't use that website, you should be using it because that is like the starting point to find out what's available in what county and then knowing, you know, what to pull when you got to go pull it. So that's that has uh, been BRB publications. Yeah. The red book has yeah. become, I still have it on a book form yeah. Yeah. and it's a big book, but that has been really the Bible yeah. for me of learning court records. And yeah. even if you know, you think, you know, something, it still is very good. And the yeah. online record is very up to date. Yeah. Online is perfect. So. Yeah. It's good stuff. So, all right. So, so that, yeah. that, that's our, uh, our, our, our tip of the day there, our little nugget we gave everybody and we're going to close down now. <laughs> so, uh, Harry, this was awesome. Thank you so much for coming Thank on you. and, and, uh, and chatting. And, um, I, I hope folks are uh, inspired to go out and do some more research and, uh, really get back to things. And, uh, yeah, Just I guess remember, I remember get gold on it. Yeah, there you go. Get gold on it, right? It's your take your tagline. I remember that. I remember that from John Hoda's show. Actually, John was like, "Oh wow, that's a great tagline." Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'll probably catch you at the next conference, right? I'm sure I'll see you around. And uh, thanks everyone for tuning in, and we'll catch everybody next week on the next show. Take care. Thanks, Harriet, for jumping on with Matt. We hope you guys gained some great insight on retrieving court records. Make sure you reach out to her if you have any questions. We'd also like to thank Crosstracks, Merlin Locate, PI Institute of Education, Delve Point, and the Campbell Insurance Group for sponsoring the show. So please support our great supporters. And make sure to check out investigatorstoolbox.com. Code PIP201836 will save you $20 when you join. And you can sign up through the app, available on iOS and Android platforms. And if you have a question or a comment about the show, email Matt at MatthewS at SatellitePI.com and you can find him on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. We want your feedback to bring you the best shows possible. And we'll be back on Monday with a new show, so make sure you tune in and stay safe out there.